and welcome to episode six of The Fox Hunt, Vixens by the Numbers, your once a week deep dive into all the numbers that matter to Super Netball side, the Melbourne Vixens. The Fox Hunt is brought to you by Deakin, home to the world's number one sports science school. I'm Erin Delahunty, a freelance netball journalist. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm on today. I'm coming to you from Echuca in Victoria, the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I pay my respects to their elders past and present. Now, if you're six episodes and seven rounds in, I'm sure you know what this podcast is all about by now. Blending the feel of what happens on the Super Netball Court with the cold, hard statistics. And to analyse every Melbourne Vixens game this season, I'm joined by Dr Aaron Fox from Deakin. Aaron is a lecturer in applied sports science and research methods and a gun with sports data and visualisations. To break down the Vixens' second loss of the season to Collingwood by 10 goals, 70-60, in the Victorian Derby on Sunday, here's Aaron, who is coming to us from Wadawurrung land. Welcome, Aaron. Now, I understand you were courtside for this game this week. Yes, big thanks to the Melbourne Vixens for their hospitality again. And apparently you were meant to be there, but an unfortunate ankle sprain kept you from the action. Yeah, look, I just wanted to make sure I kept completely on brand and did tweak my ankle in my game of netball at the weekend. So unfortunately I couldn't be there. So hopefully we can we can get together soon to do that. So after a win last round against, against the Adelaide Thunderbirds, the Vixens took on the other Victorian-based team, Collingwood, in the derby at John Kane Arena. It was the first derby to be played in Victoria since 2019, and you could probably tell because there was such a huge crowd there in Melbourne, which was great to see for the Vixens. Now, the uh, Vixens started without wing defence Kate Eddy and mid-quarter Han- Hannah Mundy, as well as Rani Samerson. So Kate and Hannah were out under COVID protocols and Rani's dealing with a, a knee issue. Uh, without those three players, the, Melbourne went down to the pies by 10 goals. It was a pretty scrappy opening first term for both sides, I thought, Aaron, with the Vixens rejig defensive line. Joe Weston at wing defence, M Mannix at goal defence and Liv Lewis at goalkeeper. They took a little while to click Shimona Nelson and Sophie Garbin. The Pies two shooters, of course, were really dominant uh, and the Pies went into the first break up by four goals. Collingwood really maintained that momentum for the rest of the match, despite the best efforts of Liz Watson feeding Kira Austin, who was probably down on what we saw from her last week and obviously Kamwenda too. Shani Lambden made her debut at wing defence in the second half, but really it was all over by the shouting by then. What did you make of the game, Aaron? Well, from a pure feel perspective for me, uh, it was all about the Magpies' defence around the shooting circle with uh, Brazzle Warden Mentor being incredibly impressive, I thought, this game. And it just made it so difficult for the Vixens to get the ball in for good quality scoring opportunities. Um, and the other thing that stood out for me, both figuratively and literally, was Shimona Nelson just skying for balls <laughs> sent her way. And there just really seems to be no way to stop those close shots this week. Yeah, look, I very much had the same feeling at home that you mentioned about the Pies defence. I think I said to you offline, the Pies defender seems almost have the Vixens scared at, at different points. But what were the key numbers that struck you out of the game? Well, a bit like what you said, I was, I was pretty concerned at half time as the Magpies have had this interesting outcome this year where every one of their matches has been decided um, after the first two quarters. If they've been up at half time, they've won. And if they're down, they've lost. And this trend obviously continued this week. Mm. Uh, The turnovers were once again, a bit of an issue for the Vixens where they led the Magpies 22 to 17 in this metric. 
and it was their second week in a row with over 20 turnovers. Um, and they hadn't reached this mark in the first five matches of the season. Those turnovers, once again, predominantly unforced with 15 of those 22 turnovers occurring in this fashion. Mm. Uh, so something that the Vixens um, probably need to clean up over the next few rounds. Um, and something that we're consistently talking about in the Vixens' wins versus losses is the shift in how they do versus don't outgain their opponent, where the Magpies led the Vixens in gains this match 12 to 9. And this also translates to that scoring efficiency stemming from the gains, where the Magpies led the Vixens 75% to 67% in the gains to goal percentage. So when the Vixens are taking the ball away from their opponents and scoring from these, it seems like their game just gels a lot better. Yeah, such a huge difference between 67 and 75. The, the missed goals by the Vixens really stood out as well. I don't think that's something that Vixens fans are used to seeing. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at the overall stats, these blew out a bit in the last quarter with a lot of those super shot attempts. Uh, but even across the first three quarters, the Vixens missed 12 to five shots compared to the Magpies. And I really felt in the third quarter where um, it felt like the Vixens needed to generate some turnovers or take some opportunities. This was where the Magpies uh, sort of really switched on and they simply didn't miss in the third quarter. Mm. Now, last week we talked about, as you've touched on here, how many turnovers the Magpies were recording and essentially how when they tidy those up, they tend to win. That's something Kelsey Brown mentioned post-game in the interview as well. What happened with the turnovers for them and the Vixens? Yeah, well, so in the Magpies' wins before this round, they'd had 13 and 19 turnovers and 23 or more turnovers in their losses. And over the weekend, they had 17. So fit right into that mould for the Magpies' winning formula. Uh, and this also links back to the Vixens' ability to generate turnovers from their opponent in their wins too, um, where the games the Vixens have lost, have lost this year, they've had less than 10 games and they've had 10 or more in all of their wins. Yeah. So, uh, once again, that ability to, to get the ball from your opponent seems to really dictate how they go. Uh, we also talked about the Magpies' shooting woes and how many shots they were missing in our preview last week. And like we were just talking about, this really didn't eventuate this week where they only had eight misses, which is their second lowest for the year. And only two of those misses resulted in the Vixens getting the ball back. So really, I guess did what we hoped they weren't going to do uh, when talking about our preview last week in Magpies. Yeah, and it goes back to, I think we've talked about too before, when a shooter misses, it's one thing, but if they're able to regather the ball, whether that's through a rebound or whether that's through an intercept, you know, on the outlet pass, it doesn't, to me, it sort of one cancels out the other. So only getting two of those by the Vixens um, proved, you know, really quite... Um, telling so in attack Austin and Kavwenda really we've, we've talked about this already looked the most uncomfortable I think that I've seen them as a pairing mentor and ward and as you pointed out before Brazil in particular was really key to this they really did their homework by the looks but what do the stats tell us about the impact they had well I'll start by saying I definitely agree with you here <laughs> Yeah, like I could feel this uncomfortableness when the Magpies <laughs> defensive crew was down the end I was sitting yeah, um, right. like mentors balance and reach over the shooters and Brazil barking orders around the circle super impressive but like had me on edge and I wasn't even playing um, how many turnovers did a, you have Aaron uh, I mean if the ball had to come my way I wouldn't have known what to do with it uh, as a trio the these uh this crew had 10 deflections while Ward and Mentor also came up with three shot blocks which is pretty impressive for a single game mm -hmm. so they were semi-regularly getting their hands on the ball 
um, around that shooting circle. But what do the penalty stats tell us about that defensive effort? Because we've, we've talked about this a little bit across the season so far around we love to see clean defenders and not be picking up contacts and obstructions, but they're not always necessarily a bad thing because sometimes that is how you can build pressure. Yeah, that physicality physicality definitely stood out with the Magpies' defence and they had more contact penalties than the Vixens. They had 56 to 44 um, and Brazil Water Mentor accounted for about 70% of these contact penalties. Uh, and they also made up all but one of the Magpies' obstruction penalties. Mm. And as you say, we've talked about good and bad penalties in the podcast this season. And I definitely felt like these ones fell more in that good category as this strategy sort of led to that uncomfortableness in the shooters and even for the feeders trying to get the ball into the circle as well. Yeah, look, we know Nicole Richardson has, you know, such a focus on that defence as well. And it did feel as if they had a plan. The game plan was there to see, not there to see, but what they were trying to do from the the very start. And then they were able to build on that as some things, you know, were working really successfully. Um, As I mentioned at the top, Joe Weston, then debutante Sharni Lambden, replaced Kate Eddy at wing defence for this match with Keddy out under COVID protocols. It was always going to be a huge hole to fill. She's such a lock for that bib. Um, because, And we know, Eddie, like a lot of wing defences, they don't get a lot of stats, but they really are a vital cog in the defensive machine, just as we've been talking about with uh, Ash Brazel. Can you help me understand, how did Weston and then Lambden in the second half, how did they go replacing Eddie, as it were? And I guess we can't discuss Swing Ding without talking about Kelsey Brown uh, as well, who just had an outstanding game, I thought, for the Pies as well. Yeah, this is a hard one to kind of compare statistically because, um, as you mentioned, Kate Eddie's impact doesn't really show up on that stat sheet. For example, she's only averaging 1.3 gains per game. So it's not like she's mm. really jumping out in some of those defensive categories. Uh, but I think the best way to understand this impact of losing someone like her is, as you suggested, look at what their opponent, Kelsey Brown, did for the match. And mm. it was a pretty solid outing from her. It was her highest net points for the season, uh, racking up 113, which sort of demonstrates that all-round game she had. Um, But I think we can really put this in context with what Vixens fans will understand Mm -hmm. and cover our Watson watch segment here too, by having a look at, you know, what these two wing attacks did in the match. Um, Brown actually recorded more center pass receptions than Liz Watson with 21 to 18. Uh, Liz did have 36 feeds with an attempt and 28 goal assists in this match. And Kelsey Brown was nipping at her heels here with 30 and 25 respectively. And so it's not too often that players are having comparable matches in that wing attack position to Liz Watson. So you got to give Brown credit for this and, and putting those numbers together. And you know, maybe that specialist wing defense role and experience that Eddie brings could have um, combat this a little bit. And what about Shani Lambden? What, what were your sort of observations about her? Well, I did like her when I saw her out on court, like, Looking at her statistics, she seemed to have a rough go at it and was in that sort of negative net points area, which never looks good. But, um, you know, the I guess the speed and acceleration I saw her come out on court was something that um, looked really promising and, and probably 
could be a good matchup for someone like Kelsey Brown, who has that speedy sort of play. Yeah, Brown really was spectacularly good. I think, um, as you said, we can we can take that as our Watson watch for this week. But the next game for the Melbourne Vixens is a, a big one. At John Kane Arena on Saturday, the Vicks take on the Queensland Firebirds, who sit third and had an impressive win over the New South Wales Swifts, the reigning premiers, at the weekend. Aaron, what areas will the Vixens be focusing on to get over the Firebirds? And I don't think I'm Christopher Columbus in suggesting how to stop Donald Wallum. We'll have to be close to the top of that list, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. I think they'll need to put some attention into her, uh, particularly after the dominant match that Nelson just had against the Vixens' defence, you know, that similar sort of close-to-goal shooter. Um, I recall talking about the only thing that slowed Wallum down in the Vixens' round one match was when she went to the bench. Uh, she's now played a full game for the last three rounds, so it seems unlikely that that's going to happen uh, in this matchup. Uh, Wallum's had some lower scoring matches in recent rounds with 34 and 33 total goals in rounds five and six, but she exploded for 57 in round seven against the Swifts, so certainly hitting some form there. Yeah, Wallum sort of had a bit of a quieter game after the Diamonds announcement, I think, um, didn't she? In the similar way, I guess Kim Revalian was the same, but for a different reason. But she was certainly back to her best at the weekend, that kind of falling out of court, you know, sort of fadeaway shot that we've seen a few times from Danelle is something that she pulled out in the Super League a, a lot when she played in the UK. So it's exciting for Australian fans to be seeing that too. Now, back to the, the, the matchup. What about at the other end? How will the Vixens co- combat or, or plan for the Firebirds defensive line, which is really quite different to what they had um, in previous years? Yeah, in the round one matchup, we talked about the potential messiness of the Firebirds' defence and how uh, over recent years in this match, they're looking like a very highly penalised team. Uh, But since then, they haven't had a game with as many penalties. The round one matchup was their highest penalised game by far. Um, And their average penalties have now come right back to the rest of the teams in the league. Uh, and I think this newfound cleanliness is perhaps epitomised by the emergence of Bakewell Doran this year. Um, and, you know, we, we came up with a new sort of stat last week. We're looking at penalties to gains ratios, uh, which you labelled as the PG rating. Um, or if you're following Vixen superfan Jess Curry on Twitter, you might have seen her alternative name for this. I think, uh, I think Jess Shamir- wins for sure. But let's, let's go with yeah, the PG well, literally one for yeah. us. we'll let everyone else look that one up Uh, but Shamira Sterling was our top defensive player for minimizing penalties to gains Um, and no surprises she's once again leading the league for this in 2022 Uh, but Bakewell Doran is literally inches from her in this category which is really demonstrating her ability to get the ball from opponents without being heavily penalised and obviously something the Vixens should keep an eye on this week. Yeah, look, the notorious RBD is what I'm which I'm liking to call her. Um, she's certainly one to watch and I think for, for young fans out there, she's making really good decisions and sometimes that's the key difference um, in defence about when, as we talked about, do you put in you know, what is maybe a dubious contest or when do you pull out? Now, shooting-wise, the Firebirds themselves are putting up some pretty huge numbers as well, aren't they? Yeah. In round one, Vixens fans will remember like really high scoring game and the Firebirds have continued this run throughout the year. And, you know, the fever are typically right at the top for 
uh, average goals per game, but the Firebirds are really pushing to challenge them this year, sitting right behind them and well ahead of the rest of the competition, averaging around 68 goals a match. And it is really hard to beat a team scoring this much. So um, again, something the Vixens will want to limit in the matchup this weekend. Yeah, it's really interesting to see the discrepancy across some of the rounds. We're having some really high-scoring games and then some really low-scoring games as well. So as we, as we keep talking about across the podcast, we're really keen to get Vixens fans involved in the show. We'd really love your stat-related questions or queries. Um, the, the one that we've just talked about, the PG rating, is one that we've come up with that I think that Aaron just needs to run those numbers every single week and and send them all to the netball journalists because they really are key. It's quite similar, I think, to that, you know, that gains to goal metric is a a good read of how a team is going. So if you want to invent your own, find something really difficult for Aaron to work out, please let us know via your social media platform by using the hashtag the Fox Hunt pod. And we'll look to answer them, of course, in this uh, segment, which we like to call Fox Answers the Fans. Now, we've got a heap of questions in the bank, so we're just going to try and get to the first one. So it's from Twitter user Georgia with the handle George Jar, and it's a bit of a cracker. Georgia wants to know which player across the ANZ Championship, of course, the precursor to the Super Netball competition and Super Netball has played at least five minutes or a quarter in the most number of different positions. I reckon this sounds like a simple enough question, uh, but not being a statistician, in reality, it's probably been quite tricky to work out. There's lots of moving parts, especially I think uh, I'm learning writing a book about Netball that record keeping hasn't historically been a strong point for netball Aaron (laughs) yeah I mean this could in fact be the question that's been the most difficult to answer yes Georgia Uh, both both down to the difficulty of converting some of the substitution patterns into lineup Mm. data combined with some weird errors in some of the historical data out there Mm. Uh, for example Aaron do you remember the (laughs) 2015 ANZ championship match where Shani Layton and Julie Coletto paired up at goal shooter and goal (laughs) attack Look, I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. I, I don't. Please don't quote me, but I'm reasonably confident that is a entry error. Is that what we call them in the statistical world? Yeah, yeah. Data <laughs> entry error there, I think. And so I had to have some considerations here with respect to this analysis and yeah. had to actually remove rounds one to four from that 2015 ANZ season as there were some weird things happening there, just okay. as we've okay. alluded to. Work and, experience um, kid, perhaps. <laughs> who, who knows? Uh, but I also had to... Um, label a player as having played a position if they had only played more than 120 minutes total or the equivalent of two games to avoid the accumulation of small errors impacting these results. Uh, But nonetheless, I got there in the end. And our winners, uh, I guess, for this this, uh, number of positions competition was uh, a player who started their career with the Melbourne Kestrels back in the CBT in 2006. That was Shea Brown. And she's played four positions, being goal attack, wing attack, centre and wing defence across the ANZ Championship and Super Netball. And tied with four positions as well was Anna Thompson, who played across goal shooter, goal attack, wing attack and centre for the tactics. And last one here, special mention to current Vixen Kate Maloney, who has spent some time in wing defence early in her career which means she's played across three positions at wing defence, centre and wing attack. Uh, it's so interesting. I think Shay, some listeners might know her by her maiden name, Bolton. Um, she came up a few times on our favourite social media platform, Twitter, when this question was first sort of floated. So 
good to see the netball minds were well and truly onto that. Interesting too as well, isn't it, that the ability to shoot obviously is the, the key similarity between those two players. Now, as we've touched on earlier, the Vixens take on the Firebirds this weekend. But before I ask Aaron for his performance prediction for that game, let's first check how we went last week. Now, for the Collingwood game, you went with a new approach of using reverse psychology, Aaron, because you have been so wrong recently. You talked about Kamwenda um, having had been scoring quite well uh, across the season so far, reaching 35 or more goals in four out of the six matches before the weekend. So said she wasn't going to reach 35, obviously in an attempt to ensure that she scored 55, maybe 60 perhaps. Now hang your head and tell us what happened, Aaron. Well, yeah. So Kamwenda this week, she, she sank 36 shots for a total of 38 goals. So given I was purposefully saying she <laughs> wouldn't get this for the sake of being continually wrong, I'm going to give myself a pass here, but it was getting agonizingly close towards the end of the match. <laughs> I, I can imagine how stressful it must have been for you sitting there watching it unfold. But what, what have you got for me ahead of round eight, Aaron? Well, I'm back to serious predictions this week, uh, but I'm still going out on a bit of a limb here. Uh, the Vixens have only scored 20 goals or more in a quarter twice so far this season. But those two times have come against the high-scoring Fever and Firebird teams. So um, while it hasn't happened too often, I'm feeling that the Vixens have been able to pull up their attacking game to match these high-scoring opponents, and we might see another 20-plus goal quarter this weekend. Oh, I like that idea, sort of a rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing when they're against that kind of play and the flow is happening. Maybe that um, continues on to the Vixens. Really, it is a really important game, uh, I think, for the Vixens in the context of the season. So uh, really excited to see it and to dissect it all with you next week. Well, that's the show for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Mm -hmm. 